Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I'm incredibly honored to be here today with Joey Weissenberg, who has just been inspiring me so much in recent days and weeks. I got to spend a whole week in New York with him for the Singing Communities Intensive, and now I'm uh, here in Colorado where he's been a a guest uh, teacher and facilitator of magical music with a whole load of of rabbis just um, singing and sharing incredible melodies. And the intro and outro of this podcast, The Dash of Drush, is actually Joey Weissenberg playing some chords on guitar that are the introduction to his Nishmat Kol Chai. And we are in the week of Shabbat Shirah, which is the Shabbat of song as the Israelites finally leave Egypt and they cross over and it's sort of punctuated by this amazing song sung by Moses and by Miriam and by all the people as they uh, achieve redemption. So Joey, it's so good to be here with you. And he's playing in the background, obviously. What's up? singing with the the Isla folks here this week and um, just preparing all kinds of work with the with the Rising Song Institute in Philadelphia and with Hadar in New York and those are some of the areas where I spend a lot of time. You want to say a little more about the Rising Song Institute? Yeah, the, um, the Rising Song Institute is is um, connected with with the Hadar Yeshiva in New York and we, um, our goal is to cultivate um, Jewish spiritual life uh, through song, and um, really to create a grassroots musical culture where people sing and and make music together, um, and make quiet together, learn how to listen to each other. Um, Try to let music allow us to hear the world in, in all of its in all of its different voices. Mm. You've written um, a couple of books. The the recent one that uh, the tour of music, which uh, I I go to quite a lot. Just the way in which music is plays such an important part in our tradition. How do I mean? What what first inspired you to? I mean, were you first a musician and then you applied your music to to your Jewish life? Were you a, a sort of practitioner of Jewish life and found music that gave you a voice? Uh, well, music's always been a part of my life. I I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my my parents were both um, heavily involved with music. My mother was a great classical piano player who played by ear a lot of times and. My, my dad was a flamenco guitarist, and by the time I was 12 or so, I was playing um, 
I was playing electric guitar and harmonica in Milwaukee's blues bars, <laughs> um, which is really where I learned um, about the heart that's in music. Because those those guys would they only played about five different notes. You know, they'd be like. Just a few different notes, but every time they'd play it, <laughs> it just had so much feeling to it. it just uh, and so I'd, I'd always hear these these beautiful sounds. And in in the blues bars, what was really cool was that um, if you don't mind me going here. <laughs> uh, in, in the blues bars, they what was people were really generous with music. It wasn't a professional thing for them. It was, I mean, for some select few, they they made a little bit of money from it. But it was, it was an opportunity to come together and let out their their hearts and their sorrows and their joys, um, just with those notes. And you know, and um, so when I was a, of course, I was also on this totally separate world going to shul (laughs) (laughs) and by the time I was uh, sorry I was at a conservative shul in Milwaukee and I learned a lot from the cantor there um, uh, Carrie Cohn who taught me so much about basically deafening all of the the services and uh, but by the time I was a teenager I was heading out to the west side of Milwaukee where my grandfather was was an aficionado of (laughs) kind of a quasi chassid of the the Tversky chassidim in mm-hmm. Milwaukee and and also my um, the the young woman that I was in love with and that I'm now married to also was was part of that community so I had these various reasons for going over there <laughs> but when I was over there I I, um, um, I heard the most amazing nigunim yeah. Just this, the way that that uh, Michal Tversky, Rabbi Michal Tversky, would sing, um, touched my heart. I realized it was exactly the same thing that was going on in the blues bars, Lahavdil. Um, it was. So they stood music and shul stopped being separate at that point. Yeah, it, well, they they still stayed separate for quite a while, but I it it started to dawn on me that they were both different expressions of the same human spirit, mm. and that you didn't have to have that many notes. Or as we say in Milwaukee, noughts. Um, <laughs> you didn't have to have too many, um, too many notes. You just had to to give yourself to each one, right? And it was that's something that's in common with the blues and with the world of nigunim, nigunim. And um, of course, spent a lot of time studying other kinds of music that was much more heavy on notes. You know, like playing Bach. Or, um, you have all these. Lots of notes that just flow one after the other, and there's an intense flow. Or mm-hmm. bluegrass music has a lot of notes, and and certainly in in playing jazz, the chord movements, all kinds of chords that move from place to place. But still, there's something to me that's that's very special about about the simplic the simplicity of a nigan and how it brings people together and it builds a sense of community. And um, I think I was always, I over the years it it became clear to me that like I wanted to invest myself into into making community to bringing people together around these notes that I loved so a niggun I mean usually translated as melody often but not always without words and 
And I think what you have become most known for in the Jewish world is the amazing new nigunim that you've you've brought to us, and they're beautiful and they're joyful and they're melancholy and they, you know, I guess like blues, they sort of express every human emotion. But I heard you a couple of weeks ago when we were in New York talking about the difference between a nigun and a song, mm. and. Um, and perhaps you just alluded to that, the idea of, of, of the, the, the different effect that it has on a community, a nigun is different to a song, but maybe you can reflect a little bit on that, and then maybe we should sing a nigun, I mean, yeah. nice to sing a bit. Yeah, you know, a song, um, it, requires a, it requires an accompaniment, um, you know, so if you get like, here's a song. Right, so as I want to keep going with this, but the, um, the <laughs> kind the, of one you do too. <laughs> Uh, the idea is is that the guitar part is it's 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 speaking in conversation with with the with the uh, the melody. The melody is pretty simple, but when you when the guitar part the the harmony part makes it happen. That's where you can feel the tensions. same without the the, sec, the the harmony because the harmony is what brings out the tension of it but it, with a nigun as they say in Yiddish a nigun um, the, the, it's just a plain melody and it stands on its own without anything else um, yeah the, the term you used in New York was self-sustaining yeah it's self-sustaining and um, so if you get a melody like I lie, la 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 that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that a melody can do that. Is that like blues? Yeah, I mean, you have, you know, in blues, you know, blues does require a little bit of, a little bit of chords, a little, but it's still.
it just goes like <laughs> yeah pretty much you just just a, a guitar will say it all <laughs> right <laughs> but how when um what happens to a community when everyone's singing together as i've experienced with you i mean i, I know what happens for me but what's what's the vision of of creating singing communities and I mean, let my people sing and Rising Song Institute. All of these. I mean, really, it's it's not about about you in as much as it's about the amazing way that you want to empower individuals and communities to just be be singing. And the you know what's at the heart of that? Yeah, well, at the heart of it is the Shaliach Tzibur, in which is Hebrew for prayer leader or for messenger of the community, um, which. Um, the, the shaliach tzibur, the, the job of the prayer leader, according to the Jewish tradition, is not not to, well, it, it's not to, to be heard as a, as a sort of a soloist. Right? In fact, it says in, in the codes of Jewish law that if you, if you sing just so your voice can be heard, that, it's, that it's, it's not the right thing for prayer, right? And, I mean, I'm not trying to get too strict about this, because... However, I mean, it does give you a little leeway that that if you, um, you know, if you're singing because it's the uh, your prayer is just overflowing, that's different from kind of showing off, right? And so, what the job of the prayer leader is, though, is to is to gather in the prayers of the whole community and to help focus it and to help bring out its its essence and its beauty and to channel that um, so that it makes a sort of divine statement mm. yeah last yeah. night you you said uh, in the concert there wasn't a concert I mean in your own definition but you said at one point you know that that if in a place where there's microphones it, it shouldn't be the Shliach Sibor that has a microphone it should be everybody else and the <laughs> Shliach Sibor should be listening right that's right yeah it's the the uh, the prayer leaders should be actually having little whispers she has to be able to hear everybody in the room um, so it, it's 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 at odds from, that's the tradition of Jewish prayer is is that where the prayer leader is supposed to hear the prayers of, of all the people who are gathered and focus it and, and really help it to speak to the divine mm. whatever that means to you is fine <laughs> right um, to um, whereas the concept of the stage is the opposite from the stage the job is is to is to play something that everybody else listens to right and so those two aesthetics are and, and ways of doing business are a little bit at odds with each other um, and so if you come from a performing background, it can be hard to make the jump to, mm -hmm. to, to, to basically your job being a listener. You know, <laughs> it's really your job when you're leading is to be maybe even the most experienced listener, um, or at least that's the aspiration. Mm. But when um, a whole community of people are all actually singing together, I mean, what, 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 what do you feel happens to that community I mean if you've got a community of people who haven't been used to singing together and you go in and you even came into our community to Bonnet Shalom like you go into communities and help communities become singing communities how does that change the the dynamic of community and especially perhaps in these you know times where we're all 
struggling with the the crazy world that we live in and in, mm -hmm. uh, how, how can singing help us <laughs> yeah I mean look it's always an aspiration to sing and there's always more work to be done in any community right <laughs> right but um, the idea is that that and it's very basis most basic level singing just brings us together and it and then the, the more that the song takes form it allows us to hear each other right and we get practice through singing with hearing each other mm -hmm. right so like you get tuned up it's not even about getting in tune from an, any kind of um, perfect perspective I just mean tuning up to the people around you mm -hmm. Right, and you get practice with that, and and the, when that happens every week or every day, um, you get you get more in the habit of of listening to the people around you, right? and waiting to hear what 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 they're doing and what their voices are like, and responding to those to that voice. That's that's what I think many of us are looking for in the world, you know, as a, as a spiritual practice. Right, the music is a spiritual practice because it allows us to tune up to what's going on in the world. It's much more than about singing. It's it's about the way we become more sensitive to listening to each other and to what yeah. the, maybe the world needs from us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would say, um, as we say on Pesach, Dayenu, like it would be enough if we just sang beautifully together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's hard enough to accomplish. Right. It's hard enough for any choir, for example, to, to even get anywhere close to singing beautifully. Yeah. But, but it would be enough just to sing. But also, singing also has the potential for teaching us these deep lessons, mm -hmm. you know, for allowing us to, to be close to each other and to hear each other and ultimately to hear beyond each other. Right, that that the conversations that we have together are are supposed to be like mm. hints right. about what it is to hear out into the world, mm. like to increase our sphere of 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 awareness, so, which is hard for me. You know, like I spend a lot of time being a hermit, <laughs> and so it's it pushes my boundaries to. I, I'm an introvert, and uh, I need a lot of time by myself. Um, and I'm not saying I get that, but <laughs> I know I need that. Um, and uh, to to be able to hear uh, beyond the confines of our own, basically ambition mm. and arrogance and ego, right? So singing is supposed to be yeah. one of those those forces in the world that breaks through the um, the the uh, the dome that surrounds us. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had an image. I I was. Um, a sort of guest rabbi in a in congregation Rodef Shalom in, in Denver this last Shabbat and I was talking really about you and music and my experiences but you know in the the penultimate of the ten plagues is is Choshech darkness and there's this idea that for three days the Egyptians couldn't see each other and they couldn't you know if they were standing up they couldn't sit down if they were sitting down they couldn't stand up and and yet the Jews, but Moshfotam, in their dwelling places, could see. And, and I was, there's this Hasidic commentary that I was reading from the Nitivot Shalom that says, beyond the deepest darkness is this incredible light that comes from the highest, the highest source. And because, they were, because the, the Israelites were sitting in the way they were sitting in their homes, they could 
they could see the light beyond the darkness and they could see and I had this image that it's because they were singing together they were sitting in their home singing together and then I thought maybe they're even learning the song that they need to sing when they're crossing the Red Sea and uh -huh. in, in the act of singing that they're actually got light where there's darkness and I was just thinking that in the ways in which in our very you know morally dark world that singing together can can help lift us and help us see the light beyond the darkness I don't know if you yeah. have any That's, Amen <laughs> <laughs> but what about this yeah. I mean this Shira like how, how does that relate to your your view of music and Jewish I mean the Shira the song that yeah. they, in, in Exodus 15 that, that the, the Israelites are going to be singing this week in this week's parasha yeah well you know they they the Israelites came from a narrow place and they then they squeezed even more narrow through the sea um, you know the essence of min hametzer karatia, and they they called out even in song even before they went through the sea, like you're saying. Mm. Um, they called out. In fact, in the Talmud, there's a list, and in a few places, there's 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 lists of the top ten songs that were um, sung by in the Tanakh. Right. <laughs> it's like the early version of the top forty, <laughs> the top ten. The Tanakh is the Hebrew Bible, by the way. Yeah, and um, and uh, the second song is is almost always um, the song of the sea, mm -hmm. and but there was a song that was sung, which is what you're talking about. But the first song, um, and some of the lists is the song that was sung before they left Egypt, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so maybe that is when they were singing it. Yeah, so there's this calling out that happens, this mm. song that happens even from the place of constriction, from the place of of um, narrow mindset, mm. right, or or of suffering. Mm -hmm. And then when you come through mm. the uh, that narrow place and you get to to the place of expansiveness of freedom, um, the the which the the beach on the other side of the right. uh, of the of the sea you cannot help but sing mm. right and so it was not even an option for that's why it was as Yeshua Moshe Uvene Yisrael um, every and thus saying Moses and Miriam and all of the children of Israel everybody together sang the song it's like they, they um, some say they there's a debate in the Talmud. Some say they all com spontaneously composed it together, like in call and response, mm. and um, and that's along the lines of what we say when we tell this story on Pesach and Passover. One of my favorite parts of the Haggadah, uh, um, which is the book we read on on Passover evening, is um, it says after we tell the story of the Exodus and coming out of Egypt. It says, Lefichach, therefore, Anachnu Chayavim, Lehodot, Lehalel, Lehshabech, Lefer, Leremain, Lehader, Lekalis. It goes on all these different words. Therefore, we are obligated to, to sing, to praise, to laud, to, to give more praise, <laughs> to give um, prayers, to, to sing again, <laughs> to yeah. sing, to sing, to sing. It's, it's, that's the first thing that, that, it, that we have to say after we tell the story. It's like, mm. there, because uh, we also go through our own tribulations and our own sufferings and when whenever a miracle is performed um, and some say a miracle is performed every single breath we take 
which also comes through its own constrictions mm-hmm. and comes into the air that every every single breath we take is a sort of miracle and we have to sing and the we have to let that breath out as a song mm. which is related to that teaching that we heard from Rabbi Arthur Waskell last night about the Nishmat Kol Chai that we were singing yeah. the idea that we, we every time we breathe we're breathing in God's name somehow. was that what he said? yeah well he's he understands the word Yud the name for God which we don't pronounce out loud Yud Hey Vav Hey um, that's breath yeah he says yeah. that means breath the breath of life yeah. so that's how he un- how which I think is one of the most convincing descriptions of what God is that I've ever heard mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. is just the very breath yeah. of life yeah. is is God and when when the breath of life emerges from us it comes sort of um, it comes with a song mm-hmm. it comes with a prayer Nishmat kochai tevarechet shimcha it comes with a bracha mm. um, and there's no other way about it <laughs> Maybe we should uh, sing that Nishmat Kochai. Yeah. Um, I always <laughs> like to sing Nishmat Kochai with huge groups of people. Oh. And but let me just yeah, we'll give it <laughs> Nishmat Kochai you start with words and then throughout the course of the melody you abandon them <laughs> right. so you, because uh, and the way I think of that is it says Nishmat Kochai um, that that the breath of all life or the soul of all life um, praises praises God praises the name of God your name of God and then we wonder well what does that song sound like when when that's happening and then <laughs> and that's when the pure niggin starts because right. then words are left behind and you can't yeah. uh, you can't describe it anymore it just has to be sung with with sort of with freedom and a lot of people 
people are nice yeah people with <laughs> with time i mean it's i think what's amazing about singing in nigun i mean with you i've sung like the same nigun for an hour and i think you know some people well including me you go through this like boredom and frustration like when's this going to end like what's happening next and then you sort of pass through that and then it's really like a meditation practice yeah something else happens you go into a whole different frequency yeah having the patience to let um, a melody blossom is, is can be painful yes. <laughs> but it, it's often worth it uh, there's the other there's times where it doesn't work there's it's uh it's often worth it um the problem it's, is in many shuls, but people are watching their watches like Kiddush has to be at 12 yeah, well, o'clock. So you got not, don't sing a nigga in shul then. <laughs> <laughs> Where else? Sing it for in the some, living room. For some people, that's the only place I they're going to hear it. I know, sing it, sing, it, uh, sing it after lunch. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, have a permanent Kiddush. Yeah. Uh, so people can just go downstairs and eat. <laughs> um, but um, it's to sing one thing for a while is is basically profoundly anti-american or un-american <laughs> it's right. not not anti-american it's 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 countercultural, which mm. is i mean in some ways the way that jewish life has always been mm. um but it's you know in in a culture like ours where you constantly flip channels and just move from thing to 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 thing just keep you keep it moving and your your thumbs are always passing over the the electronic devices and to just sit down and sing and the space in between I mean in, the, in your book you quote that beautiful Hasidic teaching from Zev Wolf of Zitomo about the the Shire Zimra what's left after the song rather than the songs of the song but yeah. that space of silence that's left after the song which is so important too and I really appreciate that when singing with you that there's sometimes these long silences where the, the Nigun sort of carries on singing itself in a, in a, in, internally and then we go back to it. Yeah, yeah. Those silences are are so precious, and they also take even more courage. <laughs> right. Even more courage than the than the song itself is is the silence yeah. that follows the song. Yeah. And uh, you're tempted to give it up the minute you hear somebody somebody's foot twitching. Right. Um, sometimes you got to hold it for a little bit. The silence itself goes through phases of comfort where um, it's it people are trying to figure out what's going on and then and then maybe after two or three minutes some say two or three hours <laughs> some say two or three days <laughs> um, the silence can uh, can become rich and full and uh, and uh, very but at the same time very liberating and peaceful mm. well I think we've probably come more or less to the end of our time unless there's anything else that you you feel you want to you want to share or sing to to close us in yeah just that these these melodies are are meant to be vehicles for letting out the the depths of our feelings mm-hmm. and um you know which is another thing that is a bit countercultural right it's like we're not accustomed to walking around and being able to 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 discuss what we're thinking all the time 
um, sort of macho culture. And uh, the melodies are kind of an excuse for people to, for me <laughs> and for others, to, to just let out their hearts. And mm. I thought maybe I'd just play a song for you. That'd be lovely. Uh, me, Mama, Kim. And we'll, Joey, it's be, we'll, I'm not going to say anything after this. We'll just let this be the end. So I, it's been a really very profound privilege and pleasure to spend this time with you. And thank you for the amazing music that you're bringing into, into the world. We, we need it. We need your song. We need your heart. Thank you. And thank you so much for all your work. Me, Mama, Kim. Mi mamá que eras hija Hashem Mi mamá que Mi mamá que eras hija Hashem Mi mamá que mi mamá que eras hija Hashem Mi mamá que Mi mamá que eras hija Hashem Adonai Shima Shima Adonai Shima Shima Bekoli Tidilai Lala Thank you for listening to A Dash and Drush, we will see you next time.